0: Strength and hope with you. Uh, do we have a timer? Yes. How would you like your time? Uh, cool. I won't, uh, can you notice I'm mean, I have twenty left, ten left, and two left? Twenty. Ten and two. That's New York time. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Well, I'm from New York, so it's like twenty minutes. You let me know when I have twenty left, then ten left, oh, okay. and two left. 10, 10. Yeah that works Got it. okay cool yeah <laughs> okay great hi my name is Madison I'm in recovery from anorexia and bulimia hi Madison. Hi. so um, I was encouraged this morning to um, be honest and if it gets a little uncomfortable then that's good so I'm really uncomfortable this morning um, I've been like really in my head just to get current um, Woke up in a lot of guilt and shame. And that's because last night my food was not perfect. And I woke up feeling really guilty. And I turned it right over to my sponsor and I text my dietitian, And I'm an anorexic, so, you know, if my food is not perfect, I feel like the world is over. And um, on the 8th, I hit 20 months, which is really cool. Thank you. Um, I'm close to two years and I still am afraid of being fat and I'm still wanting to control. And this morning I told my sponsor, I was like, hey, I really don't wanna eat today and I wanna exercise like crazy because those are my drugs of choice. Um, And I'm encouraged today to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I and I even text my sponsor. I was like, "Hey, I don't even want to share. Like, should I give it up? Like, should I start my day count over?" And she's like, "No, like, let's just be in the day, and be of service, and like, you're gonna get through it." And so I am, and it's uncomfortable, but it's what I need to do to stay. I say sober. I'm also a member of a different food fellowship, and as an anorexic, I don't really abstain. That doesn't work for me um, because I used to abstain from a lot. And I was miserable. And so today, my life is enjoying everything and trying to find a balance and not being a perfectionist. And those are really hard things to do, but it's something that I want out of my recovery. Um, So, yeah, I have 20 months. Um, I don't have any weight loss. I had a lot when I was sick. Uh, For me, I needed to gain weight to get healthy. Um, And that's been uncomfortable, but also really freeing and empowering, especially as a woman. A lot of my anorexia was trying to feel safe being thin and I almost tried to revert back to like this little girl state, being that thin. And so now a lot of my recovery is like embracing this womanly body and you know, like enjoying it and I'm healthy now. Like for a while I didn't get my period and I have it back. And that's been empowering and also super scary, you know. Um, So what it was like for me, um, I haven't lived much of a life. I'm only 21. Um, But (laughs) I've lived a very big life, especially since being in recovery. I will say that. Um, I'm from Massachusetts. I'm from Springfield, Mass., it is a, I was lucky enough to live in the suburbs, but it's a pretty impoverished city. It's very dangerous. There's a lot of gang violence. Um, I grew up being the only white girl in school. So, you know, I dealt with a lot of different things and it was uncomfortable at times, but it also taught me a lot. And I had a pretty good childhood on my mom's side, but on my dad's side, it wasn't It wasn't fun for me. Um, my dad and my mom were never together. It was like a young love kind of thing. And I didn't see my dad until I was six months old. You know, he was on a date when I was in, when my mom was in labor. So like, that kind of gives you an idea, you know? Um, and I hated it. I hated him from the moment I was born. I would cry every time I was around him. And because of courts, I saw him every other weekend. And when I did see him, he was either sleeping or out somewhere else. And so I got to bond with like my grandma and my aunt because they all lived together. But I, didn't, I still to this day don't really even know my dad. Um, and that sucks. As a kid, you take on... I feel like for me, I took on a lot of the blame. Like, why can't my dad love me? It must be something I'm doing wrong. And I didn't n- identify those feelings for a while. I was pretty good at putting on a brave face, trying to be happy, trying to enjoy my life. I'd hang out with my cousins and pretend like I was fine. I was miserable and I was really lonely at my dad's house, very lonely. If I was hurt, if I was sad, I had to make myself feel better. I had to fix it myself. If I was hungry, I had to get myself food, you know. Um, In regards to food and body from a young age, I don't remember having any issues. I was a pretty carefree kid. Um, I've always been really tall and on the lean side, and I didn't have any, like, weird behavior. The only weird things that I reflected on being in recovery was, you know, they ate a lot of the same foods, and I would get bored of that. So if there wasn't food that I wanted, I wouldn't eat. And then also my aunt, I think this is where I first started to learn what diets were. She would go on these diets where she would just drink green tea for, like, a week. And then like binge (laughs) so like i watched her try to like lose weight by drinking green tea that was sugar filled you know and then she'd like eat a a ton of food afterwards and like it would never work so like i saw that you know and i also like my self-esteem was ruined a lot growing up around them you know they they made fun of me outwardly you know it wasn't a very good experience Um, I also, one of my character defects is, um, gossip. I love to gossip. I love drama. And, um, I was in the middle of both families, my mom's side and my dad's side. So, like, if something happened at my dad's side, I'd go home to my mom and gossip. One, because I felt like that helped us bond. And two, because I just really enjoyed the drama. Um, and it's something I work on today in my recovery is, like, not going to my mom with Stuff, <laughs> And then also just not gossiping in general, because that just doesn't make me feel good. That's not nice. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my pattern growing up for a while. Uh, around 12 is when my mom let me decide if I wanted to go see my dad or not. And I didn't want to go see him, so I didn't. And that's also when I started to, like, wake up a little bit and, like, see my family for who they were. And that was really challenging for me. I felt very lonely um, at 13, I became, I thought I was suicidal. So I, uh, got into counseling and that was the first time I confronted like my father issues. It was just, I didn't know how to deal with it. And growing up, I always had these like little weird ticks and phases. Um, it's very strange, but, like, when I was younger, like, I couldn't leave the house unless my shoes were, my shoes were tied perfectly, and, like, I would do this for a while, and then there was a period in third grade where people would talk to me, and I kept saying, what? What did you say? What, what, what? And this was, like, my new phase, but it was, like, a different level. Like, I was, like, I th- I swear I thought I was suicidal, and, like, I wouldn't let it go, and then I start, I got counseling, and then I got over it, and that was my, my next phase. At 14... I transferred schools, be, I was a transfer. I went to a different town. I went from a poverty city being the only white girl in school to a very white school with very rich kids. So it was a very big change for me and I felt very lonely. On top of feeling lonely from my dad's side, and I also had a stepdad come into my life. Um, and around this time too, we began a very mentally and verbally abusive relationship. Um, we had this kind of like phase where like we would argue every week, I was always wrong, I'd have to apologize, I'd get grounded. And like all of this was going on and I was still healthy at this point, but I was becoming increasingly lonely and resentful. Um, At 15, I started modeling and in the beginning, modeling was like a really healthy thing for me. It made me feel really beautiful, it made me feel special, it made me feel different, all in good ways. But then it started to change. My um, friend at the time uh, got into photography and we became like this duo. Like I was the model, he was the photographer. And in the beginning it was really healthy, it was fun. And then it switched. Um, He would show me photos of like really sick women. And he would say, this is what you need to look like. And then uh, without telling my parents, I figured if he's right, why not try it? And um, I think my disease found me. I don't think I was, I knew what I was getting into, but I began to change. I started to research, that's kind of how I got into it. I would research like what calories were, I'd research what diets were, what healthy people eat and what healthy people do. And then I remember the day I became anorexic. Um, I was in my room by myself and I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, let's do this. And I began to exercise six days a week. I would go running. I began to, I figured out what calories were, I would cut my calories. Um, Yeah, it took me over completely. Like in a snap, it took me over. And I thought all I was doing was trying to get thin to be a successful model, really. What I didn't realize was I was using this disease to make me feel safe with all that was going on around me. I felt isolated in school an abusive stepdad, I had no real father relationship, and my mom also was mentally abused so much that she chose my stepdad over me. So I felt very, very, very lonely. And um, I'm actually doing step work on this right now about how how much I felt lonely, thank you, um, in regards to, that's 20 left, yeah? 20 left. Perfect, cool. Um, how lonely I felt in regards to like, My stepdad, my little brother, my mom, I felt like they were this perfect little family, and I was the outsider. And I deal with that still to this day. I always feel like the other, the it in the room. You know, everyone's looking at me, talking about me, you know, something's wrong with me. What am I not doing right? How can I be perfect? You know? And a lot of my disease was me trying to feel okay, like everything's going on, but I'm skinny. You can't say anything to me. I'm perfect. Leave me alone. You know? That was like my wall that I built. But I had no idea that this was this was what I was doing or feeling. I had no idea that I was doing this based on feelings, not just an idea of being skinny and looking perfect. You know, Um, so yeah, it took me over, and you know, I lost my period right away. You know, I became very isolated. I would isolate from church, from friends at high school. You know, I. Try not to have regrets, but I definitely feel like I missed out on my high school years, you know? I was very lonely and isolated and it was tough. Prom sucked, like everything sucked in high school. I was miserable. But it started to, I I knew what I was doing was wrong and the first time I admitted I was an anorexic was at 17 after two teachers reported me in school for looking too thin. I went into crisis counseling and that's where I admitted I had an eating disorder. I went to treatment for a week. I hated it, It was not a good experience for me. I left, figured out my weight, and then became even more of an anorexic, like double time, because that was just unacceptable. That number was just so unacceptable to me. Um, At 18, I decided not to go to college, and I moved to New York, and I started to pursue modeling, um, worked a job, became basically a high-functioning anorexic. Um, the world was my problem, except for my disease. You know, everything else was my issue, except for the real issue at hand. I would call my mom miserable every day. You know, I was just, I cried every day. I was depressed. I had a, a reason to hate anything all the time. Um, and I was lonely. Uh, I got into a relationship, became obsessed with him instead of what was going on. And then at 19, my first ever runway show in New York, I was signed, everything was working out. I passed out. And that was the first time I ever physically, like obviously inside I knew like I was dying, liver enzymes were crazy. Like my whole body was in starvation mood all the time. I was running on thin, depressed, levels were crazy. But it's the first time I passed out. And my ex at the time actually suggested that I should go to like a support group or something. So I Googled free support groups because I also do a financial insecurity and I was not willing to pay for treatment. <laughs> um, and I found the rooms. through like this weird Google search. I found the rooms. No idea what the 12 steps were. I heard about AA, but had no idea about the 12 steps at all. No idea what OA was. Um, came in and felt like the chair was talking about me. The whole time she was sharing her story felt right at home like completely like this is where i need to be and i got a sponsor right away that's for me i needed i i wanted i was so excited to get a sponsor i was so excited to tell someone about all the craziness in my head and have no shame about it anymore because i lived in shame and guilt and i was embarrassed to tell people my thoughts i never told anyone my thoughts because if you knew what was going on up here, it's insanity, you know, it's crazy, it's madness, and I I hate myself, but I also think about myself all the time, it's exhausting, you know, I got a sponsor, I got a dietitian. for me, I needed that, you know, I, I kind of had one in, in um, treatment, but they were going off charts, and I think charts are total BS, because every body is different, you know, Um, And this dietitian, after some searching, I found a dietitian who was willing to work with me where I was at and not just look at a chart and say, this is what you need to do to be healthy. She worked with me from she layered, you know, like in the beginning, it was really just about eating, you know, like getting healthy, like being able to put food in me without wanting to walk around or, or work it off, you know. And then and then it was, hey, you can have that dessert if you want to you don't have to go for that run today you know it was little layers it was little things I came into program with all these ideas of I need to do this to get better and I need to do this to get better and this to get better and all my problems are solved and I realized it's so uncomfortable being in recovery and early recovery sucks I don't think we talk about it that that much that early recovery is hard really hard I have a sponsee right now who's in the hospital dying from anorexia right now yeah and she reminds me how much early recovery sucked it sucked really bad and to watch her struggle reminds me how much sorry how much this disease is such a jerk you know and how much i'm talking to her disease right now i'm not talking to her you know She's so engulfed in this. It's taken her over, and she's been on both sides. She's been really thin and very overweight. And so I sympathize with her. She comes to me with all these struggles, and I can't tell her how much, how normal it is to be dealing with this. Early recovery for me sucked. I didn't sleep normal for like the first six months. I had insomnia, I could not sleep. I'd have nightmares about being, waking up and being a skeleton. Like, I was crazy my first six months. My first year, I'm still crazy. After have 20 months, I'm crazy still. Like, you know, it's just, I can deal with it better, basically, <laughs> you know. Um, I couldn't sleep for the first six months. Um, I relapsed, that's in my story too. But I will say, when I got into recovery, my life took off like crazy, like crazy, crazy. I was still modeling. I knew modeling was killing me, but my sponsor at the time was a really she. She was a really strict. She came from AA. She she's very traditional, very anal, and then she's also very big into OA and my other food fellowship. So God bless her. I needed her in the beginning because I was crazy and I was always running on my routines and my plans and whatever. And so she she got me the dietitian. She got me right into the meeting. She got me into service. And I needed that. Um, I, I told her all my ideas about how I needed to become sober and how I, how I could get perfect in recovery. And she, I, I just had to be met where I was at, you know? I was still modeling, um, continued modeling, and three months into recovery, I got the opportunity to go to Thailand for work. Which was amazing, but also really scary and challenging. My first, my third month into recovery, I'm traveling for three months into Thailand. New country, new food plan. Like, I am like, I was like, I don't know if I should do this. She's like, trust your higher power. So I went. And that's where I relapsed and have my sobriety that I have now. So, goes to show you that like higher power, you know, takes you on some crazy journeys, but like, it's all good, you know, at the end of the day. Um, I relapsed there and this disease is so insidious it's so quiet and 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 sinister you know if you think you're good you're probably not good you know because I thought I was fine and it was something so little it was, it was fats on my meal plan like I was restricting fats and it was so little but it was like oh I thought I could do it on my own and that's when I, fo- I took my first step I told my sponsor, I said, I I really thought I could do this. And she was like, ah, you took your first step. You're powerless. This is a disease that you are powerless over completely. I said, "Okay." We got sober in Thailand, a foreign country, came back, started working my program, did a lot of writing. I hate writing. And my new sponsor loves writing. And I write all the time now because I need it. meditated i would do little things in early sobriety i would do little things like i would commit to my sponsor like okay for the next week i'm gonna you know journal just maybe for five minutes every day i'm gonna just commit to journaling for the next week and i needed to do that because in my anorexia one thing i would do is i would like put and it's funny i still have it in my calendar you can look through my calendar in like 2015 2016 Um, I would put like for like a week I'd be like okay I'm only gonna eat like green food this week you know or like for this next week it'd be like no desserts hard exercise cycling every day and I would like do like weekly diets or like weekly things you know and like I would be so strict and rigid on it it was insane I also one gift of my recovery is I don't have a lot of reminders in my phone anymore because when I was sick I'd have like 30 million reminders of, like, food and body stuff. Just total, like, BS, you know? Um, when I hit a year, that was really cool. That was really cool when I hit a year in recovery. Um, I didn't think I could. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I hit a year, and it was amazing. My mom came out. My aunt came out. Um... I got to share it was really cool it was a really great experience and um i've been sober most of my time in new york i've only been in l.a six months or so now um new york is is a different breed uh they're very like strict out there you know so i had a very solid recovery group and i needed that in the beginning i needed really like i I white knuckle dip my first year a lot because like i was just so crazy and i needed that i was i'm such a perfectionist that in the beginning i needed a strict routine to follow because i was good at that as an anorexic i'm really good at being a perfectionist following rigid lines and you know being safe within like boundaries you know so if I could do that in my recovery that was perfect for me today my recovery is a lot different I it's it's imperfect it's imperfect it's not rigid there's a lot of uncomfortable things Um, but that's what I need now because I'm way too rigid and perfectionistic on myself and I hate everything I do I hate every decision I make and I need to just be okay with that and start to love the decisions that I don't like that I make you know Um, So last year I was still modeling at this time and decided to give up my career, which is something I didn't do, to my higher power. I just did, like, a little prayer, like, hey, I'm going to start to, like, pursue more of my music and, like, wherever that takes me, cool. But whatever happens, happens. I'm still modeling. Like, I just trust you, you know? And that was the first time in my recovery that I really let that go. Um, A few days later, I did my first open mic, and then there I met my first producer, and I started to work in his basement in New York and record. I started to figure out what recording was. I've always done music, but my disease was so loud that it told me all I was good for was to be a pretty thin model. You know, I did not believe in myself, and I didn't believe I could do music, although the whole world around me was telling me to do it. When I was sick, my mom would tell me, I know you love modeling, but I really feel like you flourish in music. And I took that as, ugh, my mom doesn't support me in my modeling. She's so <laughs> rude. You know, I hate her. And But she was right. My mom's always right, but don't tell her I said uh-huh. that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then from there, things kind of just started to spiral. You know, I deal with financial insecurity, but last year I made the investment to do voice lessons. It was very expensive, but once again, I did that little prayer like, hey, this is really expensive, and I'm a struggling New Yorker on my own income, but I'm just going to give it up to you. Whatever happens, happens. And then within two weeks, I met my production label that I'm signed to now. I flew out to L.A., met them, signed, got signed within seven months, which is really cool. And then a month later, I moved out here to LA, which has been an amazing journey. It's been challenging. The second year, my, all my sponsors, my first and this one have told me sucks because the first year is about just getting healthy and like getting some sanity, you know, around food, body, mind, spirit, and then like figuring out the rooms, you know, getting comfortable. And then the second year is like, oh, okay. You know, I don't have the food to worry about anymore. I don't have the body, whatever whatever I'm struggling with. For me, it's exercise, restriction, and occasional binging. Um, now this is life. This is what I have to deal with. This is me. Now I have to just live my life, and this is what it is. And that's really challenging. You know, as an anorexic, I had so many things to worry about, so many things to focus on, and now I just have to, like, live my life and be in it. And that's terrifying. There was always something wrong with me, and now I'm just fine, and I have to be okay with just being fine, you know? Um, I got a new sponsor, and this new relationship I have now is the most honest and open I've ever had, and for me, that's amazing because I like to keep secrets, and I like to keep my thoughts in my head, and I like to just be on my own willpower, and my new sponsor teaches me that, like, it's okay to be honest. Honesty is what sets me free, because I lived a lot of my youth in lies and hiding things and shame and guilt. For me, resentment, shame, and guilt are huge. Like they're like my best friends, they coddle me. And I hate them, but they coddle me, you know? I feel safe in them. And today I'm learning to not feel those feelings and let them control me. I'm learning to, I feel the feeling, but I don't let the feeling control me. That's the difference. Um yeah i have 20 months now i have a sponsee life is great there's been a lot of changes recently there's been a lot of like fogginess in my head my default is to always worry about food and body but i have tools now you know i'm being of service i have a sponsee i call people when i feel like really self-obsessed you know like it was really hard for me to realize that i hurt people and i think about myself a lot in my disease That was really hard. I thought it didn't hurt anyone. I just hurt myself because obviously. And I didn't think I was self-obsessed. I thought I hated myself, you know, and and that wasn't self-obsession. But that is self-obsession, you know, even now, like, when I'm uncomfortable with my body, like, today or last night or, you know, like, feeling imperfect, like, that's such self-obsession. And, like, that's when I need to call three people and be like, hey, what's going on? I don't want to talk about myself. I want to talk about you. What's going on with you? You know? I signed up for volunteering because I'm that self-obsessed right now. Like there's been so much change going on in my life and a lot of music, like music is about me and my craft and my art. And I just need to get out of that. Like so much of my di- my disease was that. So I do music for the art of it, for the help of other people, for the message. I write about my disease. I write about my mental illness. I write about depression, family issues, my mom's divorce, all that stuff. I wanna write about it, I wanna help people. I'm volunteering, I have a sponsee. <laughs> the greatest gift is giving back for me, you know? Um, and I think one last thing I'll just say about recovery is especially being a young person in recovery, it's it's challenging, there's a lot of challenges. I don't think that's talked about a lot, you know? like love the old timers love like hearing the wisdom but like being young in recovery is like really challenging because like you have so much available to you there's so many options there's so many things i could be doing and like why would i want to be in recovery you know like seriously like that's as young people like that's what comes up for me you know i hang around all these models and like i know how to be skinny but like i also know that like i can't be happy and like have a full life and have that body that I did, you know? And I have to have acceptance around that today. Like, I cannot be, I don't even identify with that girl. You wouldn't even know who I was. Like, I have had so much changes in recovery and so much growth and like, I don't even like identify with that girl anymore. I sympathize, I have those same feelings, you know? But I'm dealing with them today. But like, I don't even know who that is anymore because like recovery has given me so much of my life back. Little things, like I used to call my mom every day sad. Thank you. And I don't I don't call her, I call her maybe like once a week. That's crazy to me. I used to call her every day. My mom when I first moved to New York said, call me when you're not crying. I called her back crying. Like I was sad all the time. You know, little things like being able to go out with my friends and like just be happy despite all that's going on inside of me. I used to isolate. If I was sad, isolate. If I feel imperfect with my food or my body, isolate. Like, you don't deserve to be out there. I deserve life today, and I deserve to feel good about myself, and I own that today, you know? Like, I'm empowered today. I have my period again. I'm a woman, you know? Like, like this is what a woman does. Like, I have breasts, and I used to not have any of that. I would never even wear bras. Like, I go out, I put makeup on. That's recovery for me. I laugh. Genuinely, I laugh, and I love to laugh. And I'm myself again. And so if you're new, keep coming back. Just stay, listen, you know, do things that make you uncomfortable. Because if you're uncomfortable, you're growing, you know, do things that make you mad and irritated and like upset. Yeah, do that. Like I'm sharing today and I don't even want to share because I'm so uncomfortable. But like, that's life. So I'm just really grateful to be here. And thanks for letting me share. It is now time.